Hello, everybody. This is RPG Cast 507 for July 20th, 2019, and I'm your host, Anna Marie Privetier. We've got all the people on the podcast. It's a big podcast. We've got six people. So I'm Anna Marie Privetier. I think I might have said that before. Uh, hi, Kelly Ryan. Hello. Hi, Nathan. I can't pronounce your last name. Garvin, like Thank- garden, but with a V. Ooh, I like that. Hey, Jonathan Stringer. Hello. Hey, Peter Thomas. Hi. And then we finally have like long awaited debut of Matt Mason. Hey there. Did I did I pronounce that right? You nailed that hundred percent. Woohoo! Wait, wait, um we've so, been waiting for this. Hmm? We've been waiting for this. Yeah, he's been wanting to be on for forever. Oh, okay. Cause uh for, for those who listen to the show every week, uh that's Platty M three and he writes in like every week to the show. He also actually works for the site. So what do you do, Matt? <laughs> uh, I do reviews. I would uh, say news, but uh, I don't think I've done that for six months, so I won't say that at all. But I do reviews. <laughs> all right. Backtrack several I'm times. I- I've done a lot of backtracks. That's true. I've done a Why lot of backtracks over the past year. Mean? Chris is not on the show today. What do you mean I'm not on the show? It's my show. <laughs> no, I've I've hijacked the RPG cast. My you show now. So for um, those of you who join us every week at twitch.tv slash rpgamer, if you are there right now, you could be watching Chris perform surgery on all of our Joy-Cons because we have so many problems with our Joy-Cons. They, like four of them require surgery at this point. I can only find oh, wow. two and not the ones that need new joysticks, so I'm just doing buckles. Yeah, I mean, so. can't you buy those hoary ones that have the proper D-pad? Um, so... Like this one? Yeah, so right we there. we do have one, uh, Hori. And then um, we have one blue Joy-Con that I accidentally dropped. And after I dropped it, the um, minus sign stopped working. Oh, so wow. I wasn't That's using that. Of... It was an extra that piece of plastic. This. this piece of plastic. Yeah, so when it, when I, it, when it fell, it snapped off a teeny tiny piece of plastic and that got embedded under the minus key. So all we had to do was open it up and it worked again. And then wow. we also have, um, I think, two left Joy-Cons that are drifting. No. There are black Joy-Cons. No. I, I can't find any ones that are drifting. Okay. We'll talk later. Well, we'll talk about that briefly in the news. Yeah, because oh, yeah. there's issues. <laughs> you Somebody. join a... Did lawsuit. somebody bring up last week about how it might be a bad idea to buy a system where you can't remove the controllers and replace them? Who did that? <laughs> I mean, at this point, the drift seems to be more or less fixed. No. Really? Not the one I've read. Okay. But I'm not on the show. All right. So just ignore me. We're We're going to jump into our now playing. So I... I've been playing so much Dragon Quest Builders too, uh, 
And it was funny because I like went into JRPG July and I'm like, all right, guys, I'm going to play some of the games from my backlog. And I just hope I don't get sucked into the two new games that are coming out this month. And I got sucked into Dragon Quest Builders 2. Oh, it's so good. It is like everything that I liked about Dragon Quest Builders 1. I love in Dragon Quest Builders 2. And everything that I didn't like about Dragon Quest Builders 1, it's been fixed expanded upon corrected fleshed out and it's awesome in dragon quest builders too and so i'm this is going to come up in our jrpg july column but like one of the things that i found so um disconnecting in dragon quest builders was that every time you completed a story beat you moved on and it kind of felt like because you left everything behind you weren't making real progress Mm-hmm. And so I didn't I didn't mind it in the context of the way that the story was built around that, but it did kind of feel frustrating that it was like I build up all of this knowledge and then I have to ditch it. Well, in Dragon Quest Builders 2, you actually have what's called the Isle of Awakening. And so while you're on the Isle of Awakening, every time you finish a story section, you go back to the Isle of Awakening and you retain all of the knowledge that you've gained there. That is definitely a bonus. And time. it's so cool because the Isle of Awakening is like this island that a, that a builder set up many, many moons ago. And it's kind of just fallen into complete disrepair at this point. So you have this island. It has some features. And then you can build whatever you want, basically wherever you want. Oh, so the, so the Isle of Awakening is like the creative mode and it's tied into the story mode. Tied directly like. into the story mode. In fact, there is a story that goes on on the Isle of Awakening as well. So there are tablets that exist on the Isle of Awakening. And every time you finish a main story beat, you unlock one of the tablets on the Isle of Awakening and it brings you to a specific section. And you will have a certain number of main goals that you have to do to continue to progress the main story. And then once that's done, you can either continue the main story or you can hang around on the Isle of Awakening and continue to customize it because there are tons and tons of optional goals to do. And there are very many. (laughs) Super varied. It's like one of the goals I did was like plant a certain amount of grass and trees. One of them was... Um, farm a certain number of seeds. Oh, yeah, by the way, you know how farming was like completely last minute half baked in the first game? Mm-hmm. Totally fleshed out, like great system in the second game. In fact, farming is like the central mechanic in the first um, story section of the game. And so you can do all sorts of farming on the Isle of Awakening. In fact, one of the things you can do is there are random islands that you can visit. Um, while you're on the Isle of Awakening, you can go out onto these like, um, they're sort of like roguelite islands so that every time you leave and come back, they're constructed in a different way. But on those islands are new types of things to grow. And so I've picked up like coffee beans. I picked up strawberries. I picked up aubergine eggplant for the Americans. Um, what else did I pick up? Um, something green and I don't remember the name of it anymore. Anyways, I, I've been picking up all of these plants and it's been really exciting. Have you done enough to get the unlimited items? Yeah. Um, that's the other thing that I'm um, going into these sort of roguelike islands do is 
Um, it wants you to find a certain number of features on the island, and that can be a certain amount of ground. It can be a certain amount of plants. It can be, um, a, a, yeah, certain uh, certain um, environmental like a- aspects. I'm not describing it well. Help me, Matt. I, I've only been to the first two, and all of them were like, "Hey, here's I think here's like twelve or fourteen different things. Find this tree. Find this plant. Find this type of." ground yeah and they're right. all in they groups. The ground, like find dirt find yeah. sand find rock yeah and so they're they're in like sort of natural grouping so one of the islands that i went to i had to find all of the gemstones and dyes mm-hmm. and that was a group and because i i scoured the whole island and i found all of the things i now have unlimited um i think it's silver actually so yeah when you do the first islands um there's like unlimited cord unlimited um grass and then um unlimited wood Wood. and unlimited stone Mm -hmm. and so it just takes a huge amount of pressure off of building stuff when you either first arrive at a story beat or when you're building up on the isle of awakening because all of these basic resources as long as you've put the time into finding all of these things on the optional islands you're going to have an unlimited supply of them and it's I, I need to go back and actually find the unlimited supply of wood um, because I, I'm missing a couple of things. I'm sure there's guides out there at this point. Or I'll just ask Matt because I'm sure he knows. It And, you know, there's really no way to guide with that because they are the roguelike items, the, the islands. They're just random. Yeah, I the problem is, is I'm looking go... at the icon and I don't know what it is I'm looking for. I There were some I didn't realize either. And, man, the wood was the last one out of the first four challenges on those first two islands wood was the last one and i literally kept checking the mini map to make sure i scoured every single place i swear there were maybe two blocks total that had the last item i was looking for <laughs> nice. and i think one of the harder ones is i had to those trees that you can actually break apart the giant trees mm-hmm. you have to find the acorn way up top and branches way up top that was the thing. I had to build oh, a platform to get I all the way I wonder if I'm there. missing some branches. Mm-hmm. The branches, I thought, were the ones on the ground because the, you know, two millimeter by two millimeter picture. Right. Or even on the TV, it wasn't super clear. But that's what I thought it was. I thought it was these branches on the ground. I'm like, and well, that is what definitely else is there? my one big complaint about DQB2 is mm-hmm. the um, tutorial windows. And in oh. general, the text is way too small. It's that's what tiny. I've heard tiny like unreasonably is that in portable and in tv yes. or are you just okay. yes yes hmm. yeah on the tv you're sitting so far away that it's like i'm squinting at it and in my hand i'm bringing it up to my nose i'm like okay what does that say yeah i end up like taking a screenshot of it and then i end up blowing it up taking a picture on my phone <laughs> <laughs> like it's this weird like two-layered sort of aspect so yep they could blow that up 50 percent, and it might be that would be great like I, and even if it tiny, started out big and then slid to smaller into the corner mm-hmm. you know in, in this day and age they they should really have variable text uh sizing in games yeah i agree so yeah we, we have this sorry Go ahead. We have the space now. Sorry, we have the space now. There's kind of no excuse for it. No, yeah, yeah, no. It, and it is like my primary dominant complaint about this game is the text is small. 
way too small. Well, this one was multiplayer, right? The first was not? Correct. So um, it does take a little while to unlock the multiplayer. I think you have to mm-hmm. completely finish the first storyline um, island, right? I believe so, yeah. I have unlocked it, and really the only Storyland Island I've done is the first. So, And I think I just unlocked it. It might have been when you get back and do a little stuff, and maybe one of the tablets opens it up. Could be. I think it's part I think it's part of the Isle Awakening story. Like, hey, well, now that you're here... Oh, it is. That little mole tells you about it. Right. No, he's a hammerhood. Hammerhood, yes, not the mole. The hammerhood tells you about it, because it's the place where, if you played the demo, there was a tile that bad things appeared from early in the demo and he says hey you remember when you beat that guy over there now friends can come visit you from that place yes so i haven't played any multiplayer yet i have a bunch of friends that we're trying to set up a time to do it is it just oh sorry is it just local or is it online too no it's online it's only online yeah there's no local at all that's my that's my biggest thing. My two kids would love to play with me. Instead, we all sit around taking turns. Yeah. That still sounds pretty cool. It, yeah, it's, I mean, I, I think it would have been if interesting. That's the tiniest thing, it's not a big deal. I it, think it would have been interesting if a second player could take on Malroth. Yeah. Fun. That... Because unlike the first game, you do have a permanent party member with you. Mm-hmm. Um, his name is Malroth. He likes to break things. He can't build anything. Um, and so I, I think it would have been interesting if as a second player you could take on his. Just walk around and smash. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that would have been great. That would have been a great way to involve like the kids with the games. Mm-hmm. So that that's kind of a, a meh that I'm kind of bummed out about. Um, one other thing that they did that I really appreciate is you have almost unlimited storage now. So oh, yes. in I, the I don't, I don't miss the limited at all. <laughs> no, yeah. So in the first game, um you basically had to wait each level until you got enough materials together to make a community chest and even then the community chest was somewhat limited. Now you just you have a bag and the bag is not only huge but it has 7 pages of stuff. I've I've finished um the first two islands and I'm working on doing tons of stuff on the Isle of Awakening. I have multiple gemstones. I have multiple ores. I have multiple dyes. I have like 8 million building things because I like making all sorts of stuff. And I'm still on page three of my bag. And I have oh, seven that, pages. That's good to know. I finished the first island and I was a tiny bit onto my second page. And I still thought, well, this is probably a quarter of the game and I've got plenty to go. Yep. But good to know that it still seems huge later. It does. No, yeah. I just, I keep getting stuff and I keep, I, I like have, um, so once you get to a certain um, point in the game, you unlock um, more and more complex mechanics for room building. So during the second um, story section, you unlock um, fanciness, which is how pretty your room is. So if you make it with nicer walls or a nicer floor, um, you put nicer light fixtures in it. Um, you put certain pieces of furniture in it that have a higher fanciness rating. Um, you can make fancier and fancier rooms. And then I actually just unlocked going through um, Island of Awakening tablet stuff, um, themes of rooms. So now all of my items 
um, my 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 um, flooring, my walls, my roofs, everything that I put inside of rooms. They all have um, a concept attached to them. So some things are cool and some things are cute and some things are crazy and some things are natural and some things are normal. And so I have different themes to my rooms as well as whether they're pretty or not. And then, um, you know, your building rooms based off of blueprints. And that's another thing that they improve in the game. So many improvements. I didn't even think about this. As you go through and unlock all of the tablet stuff, um, you get new um, tools that help you customize your Isle of Awakening. So I got, um, uh, what's that thing that you scoop like cement onto and you put it between bricks? A trowel. Yeah, a trowel. trowel. Um, so I got a trowel that um, helps me very quickly change the theme of walls and floors. And then just recently I got a pencil and a pencil um, I can like drag, uh, drag my pencil around a building and it will automatically create a blueprint for me. And then I can put that blueprint down anywhere that I want. Oh, so you can just kind of duplicate your work pretty easily. Right. Nice. And it becomes really handy because some of the goals for the, the optional um, tablets is like make X number of rooms. Well, you start to have more and more people on the island, so you start to need more and more bedrooms. Mm -hmm. But it's like, okay, um, how do I build a dormitory again? Is is it is it four lights and three pots? Is it is it four pots and three lights? I I can't ever freaking remember. And I could go into the menu and figure it out, but then I'd have to write it down because I have the memory of a gnat. Yeah, there is. I've already got my little. Uh... I got a piece of paper printed out with, I think, like 30 different room combinations. <laughs> I, just I need keep to up do my that. Bedside table. <laughs> yes. I had it in Google Keep, but I didn't want to keep opening my phone like five times every time I was playing. I'm like, <laughs> I, can just print, I can print this out small enough that it reads it better, bigger than on my Switch, and uh, <laughs> I'm good. All right. So that's everything that I've been playing this week. So, Matt, what else have you been playing? Because I want to hear your thoughts on Braveland Trilogy, because you bought this because of my review. I totally did. The first time it went on sale after reading your review, uh, you had mentioned the Heroes of Might and Magic, which, my gosh, I'd played so much of 1, 2, 3, and 4. I was like, oh, I, I could use some hexagonal combat. I love Heroes. Um, yes, great games. So I've made it maybe halfway through just the first game of the Braveland trilogy because obviously Dragon Quest Builders has been taking the vast majority of the time. But Braveland's a good one to put in for like 30, 40 minutes right at the end of the night. Because Dragon Quest Builders, I'll just keep playing till my Switch turns off. Or I just fall asleep in bed at 2 a.m. Um, so I was like, okay, around midnight every night, I'm like, no, stop playing Dragon Quest Builders. Put in Braveland Trilogy. And I'm halfway through. It's pretty basic, as you said the first one was. But I've just put it on easy mode. I want to cruise through the first one and get to the little bit more technically difficult or challenging second and third ones. I like it. it it's it really hits with the heroes of might and magic stuff. I just, it feels like that. It feels like I'm back in high school playing in 95, 96, the very first one or something. Well, and the best part is, is it gets better the further along in the series you get. I, I remember you saying that. So I was like, you know, I'm going to put the first one on easy, just blow through it. I looked online. It's like maybe a five, six hour game. Oh, if less that. than that on easy. Less than that. Oh, okay. So yeah, probably like I, I think I played hours. it. A half an hour for four nights, so maybe I'm farther farther than 
halfway, but I'm looking forward to it. It's a fun little game. Um, bring it up, do a couple battles, put it aside, and it's pretty linear. I mean, there's little paths to go off, but uh, I'm not getting lost in any way, shape, or form on this map. I don't think that's going to be possible. Um, uh, but yeah, no. <laughs> it is very linear. Very easy to get into, very intuitive stuff. I've been using the touchscreen more than the uh, controls on the Switch. That's what I did, too. Yeah, I, fa- I found that easier. And then I was like, oh, there actually are hotkeys for everything, and they're all clearly labeled. And the second I realized that, I'd never tried it again. Um, just everything's big enough that you can touch it. Big fingers, doesn't matter. The grid isn't super large, so everything can be blown up bigger. And yeah, it's a fun little thing. The writing's uh, it's local. Not that it's localized, right? Isn't this by a Western developer? Um, European. So yeah. European. Okay. So yeah, I was gonna say there's no, no problems with any sort of a language barrier. Or it reads fine. There's not much text. Hey, look, there's wolves here. Let's fight them. And uh, yeah, the first one's just pretty straightforward. You killed my village. I'm going to go get you. <laughs> Build an army along the way of whatever random people want to join us. And uh, my name so is that... Nigo Montoya. You killed my father. Prepare to die. <laughs> it, the irony is, he did kill his father. <laughs> it, it's a very yeah. It did kill him in this one, didn't it? He grew up to be strong, and now I will fight the empire that destroyed my town and people. So I mean, it's not winning any awards for originality on. <laughs> The writing, but this the combat is promising enough in the first game that I can't wait to get through it and just put it on a little bit more normal difficulty and have more fun with the other two, which uh, reading your review definitely made me think. It was 50% off last week, and I jumped on it. Yay. So I, I, I hear you might be playing a, a game for a review. Oh, oh, th- this one's been a long time. I think I downloaded it before I went away on vacation, and I've been back from vacation. So maybe five weeks ago. Yeah, the review code uh, went out like a month ago. I oh, think it went yes. out right during E3. Yes, Super Neptunia RPG. <laughs> the game that uh, should be better and isn't. It really should be. And I'll be honest, there's so many... It, this is so much better in general. I think would find a wa- wider audience than a lot of the other Neptunia games because there's not so much dialogue. We just did the backtrack about a month ago with all the Compile Heart games that we played and talked about. Oh, Kelly was on there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I I pushed pushed that out of my memory. Thanks for <laughs> reminding me. It, your groan there was pretty much the consensus at the end of that podcast, you know. Yeah. And, and everybody things, was... things, but just... Eh. And everybody was kind of looking forward to the, this one because it seemed like it was going to be different from all the Compile Heart stuff. And but I would say 90% of the dialogue, it's 90% shorter in dialogue, which is amazing. Um, the combat is similar to, oh, I'm going to get the name wrong. It's not Valkyrie Profile, it's... No, it, is, it is like Valkyria Profile. Okay, no, so that's... Uh, Valkyrie... Valkyrie Profile. Valkyrie Val- Profile. Not Valkyria okay. Chronicles, Valkyrie that, Profile. That's it. I, I knew I was going to get back and forth with one of those and say the wrong one. But yes, it's like that. And honestly, I never played that game ages ago. haven't ever picked it up. And it, it's 
the combat seems a little bit too complex with this. It seems at the same time simple and complex because you've got up to four characters. I've just got the fourth character about six hours in. Um, you know, they, they all. this is an alternate universe. It tells you right away, hey, this is not a canon-type game. And, of course, then they all lose their memory anyway, so what do they know in, in the game? They're breaking fourth walls, making funny jokes. And I thought it was great when I started off the very first thing. She grabs a Dragon Quest Cypress stick, starts beating down enemies, like, was it the Dogus that are the slimes? She's yelling, I choose you, every time she's hitting one. And at the end of the first battle, it plays the Final Fantasy victory battle team. Exactly. I was like, pretty fantastic, honestly. Yeah, the first five minutes was like awesome. I'm like, this is great. And then where the problem started coming in is adding more characters. Mm. Um, Because only one character can attack at a time. You have your little action gauge filling up. So only one character can act at any time when your action gauge fills up. It almost defeats the part purpose of having a party except well okay instead of just having neptune do something now you've got four people that you can choose from what are you going to do but you've got to set that all before combat and then there's three different stances it looks like a fourth one may unlock later that you can pick from that you can rotate through with the r and the l buttons and so okay well now i'm in my defense posture but what does that mean what did i set up everybody to do there it's not it doesn't jump out at you which one is. So eventually you're sitting there with four characters, four different combat stances. You've got 16 different ways to attack, but you got to have them all kind of memorized. Be like, oh, let me get in this formation and hit this attack real quick and then go back to that formation and hit that attack. And, oh, the only way I can heal is go back to this formation and this person. It, it It's almost you, you've just got one thing going on at a time. And you've got to memorize which one of those 16 is you're, you're going to be doing. And I think what gets me, I turn it off every time I play for 30, 40 minutes, I'm lost. It, it's built with platforming. And the enemies are visible on the screen. And you're going from city to city to do this. But on the world map where you can see which areas of the platforming you need to get to, nothing's labeled. So the what? very first. No, nothing's labeled. The that very feels first like area. like a massive has, deficit. Six exits, of which when you start the game, four of them, you go there and they're like, oh, you can't come here yet, or there's something blocking the way. But five, six hours in, I can go through all six of those exits, and it's like, hey, we need to go to this town to bring something as a fetch quest to that town. And I go to the map, and I'm like, well, which one is it? And it doesn't seem intuitive either, like, hey, up north is up on the map so much. So I've just been getting lost all over the place. I keep running back and forth, and... They also, some corners were cut here. The enemies are visible on the map, and I think it said that somewhere, and they are. But literally, it's the same enemy visible on the map. All it is is that dogu everywhere. It's the dogu every time? It's the dogu every time. I'm six hours in. I haven't fought a dogu in four hours. But every time I see an enemy on the screen or in a dungeon, it's a dogu. I'm like... I know that's not a party of Dogu I'm fighting. <laughs> <laughs> but I have to, and you can hit the Dogu and get a surprise attack or whatever, or just jump over it and move along. But I would like to be able to see what I'm fighting. Like, there were some snow monsters I was just not set up. I didn't have anybody with a fire attack. And I'm like, ah, eh, I just got to run through this area so I don't care. 
But at the same time, I was feeling a little underleveled. I'm like, well, maybe I need to fight people. I wish if they're going to have visible encounters, I know what my visible encounter is going to be. Well, yeah, that's irritating. It is. I, I'm like, I'm not fighting a doggo every time. Why is that the same picture? So it, it, all three of those things, the battle system. I mean, I, I, I guess if you'd like the old battle system there from profile, um, you might like this one. It's not bad. It's just I'm having a hard time memorized. I'm trying to get like that one perfect thing that I can have a healer, an attacker, and somebody with magic. So I don't have to memorize more than like three or four different button combinations at once. Um, but I, my whole party just disappeared in the second, the second or third dungeon I was in, and I was like, oh geez, here we go again. Also, the background—it's hard to tell when you're moving. I'm trying to say like in up and down, or if you're looking at the mini map up and down. But you're walking left to right, and there's times where you can move down a stage or move up a stage. And kind of like in Dragon Quest Builders, it's a very small little round A or B or something that you need to hit to go. And if you're walking, sometimes that little round A just blends in with the background, and you don't even know you can go there. Oh, yeah. I, I had that problem when I played it at PAX last year, too. It, it's hard to see. I, I had to look up an FAQ for the second dungeon because I was like... I, I can see in the mini-map that there's like three rooms in a row, but there's rooms above me, there's rooms below me. I've been walking back and forth. I don't see the connection. Where is it? So it, it, well, it needed to be... Definitely it needs way more signposting. If that was the only thing that they fixed, I'd be fine. If I could see on those little six areas, once I've been there, what the name of it is, when i got to go back to this city, and I could actually see that on my map, I could be like, oh, okay, I can get there. But instead, walking around aimlessly fighting battles against enemies, I don't know what are going to be there. But, uh, yeah, the, the signposting is my number one complaint. Man, Seeing those they they delayed this game to give it more polish, too. The only polish I see is the dialogue is excellent. They've got, I, I like the oh, jokes they're hitting something. without a bunch of bloat in between. It's, it's, no, it's no visual novel, thank goodness. <laughs> All right, Jonathan, it's been a while since you've been on, and I want to hear about Felseal because it's going to come up in our news this week. Mm. Yeah, we've talked about it a few times. Uh, <clears throat> I know one of us did a review. Yeah, Pascal. And Yep, and I've made much further progress, so I think I'm getting close to the end. I've uh, done a few major turning points in the story, and I've unlocked most of the classes now. Uh, so... But, however, I did cheat, and I think there's supposed to be, or I wouldn't say I cheated, but I, I remember reading not too long ago about all the classes or the, the name characters you can you get to your party. And I think there's still one left that I don't have. So the game, the story, the plot, and the way it's being executed feels like it's coming to an end. So either there's this extra section that it's going to pop up, which is very likely, or I just missed something but I don't think I did. So uh, it's keeping me entertained uh, throughout. Uh, I still like it. It's still going strong. The balance is pretty good. Though I will say it's probably gotten a little bit tougher, which is which is nice. You know, you, I, I feel you kind of want that progression of difficulty towards the end, as long as it's not too much of a punishing spike. Um, so I feel that. And strategy RPGs, uh, you know, a lot of the big ones like Final Fantasy Tactics and such, actually, I feel kind of struggle with that. 
as you get more unlocked more classes and more class combinations it feels like it's easier to break the game in a lot of these even despite the tougher enemies and the and the ai enemies having more access to skills as well they just you know being at ai they usually don't seem to utilize use those skills to the same uh ability the the player can but it doesn't really feel that way so one of the things that's impressed me about this game the most has been that difficulty curve and and keeping it under control where you know how notorious Final Fantasy Tactics was for having really easy battles and suddenly what the hell this battle is really hard yep Mm -hmm. Uh, back and forth so this does that really well it's very it's a very impressive indie game kickstarted game Uh, you know there's some things you're like hey that'd been really cool if they did this or that but nothing where I feel like, man, they really messed up here. They had, there's none of that. So there's things that maybe if they did a sequel, they could they could improve in certain areas or put a little more um, options or or something here or there. But nothing I can say is a complaint. So I, I really like it. So I think uh, you know any of you guys who are interested in that should should give it a try. I'm not really sure what the news is, so I guess I'll find that out when it comes up. Is it getting released on another system or something? I guess. <laughs> But uh, so, yeah, I, I recommend that game to anyone who likes uh, tactical RPG, strategy RPGs. Uh, what else? Are, oh, Fantasy Star Sega Ages. So, Yay! yeah, Yay! I got that on uh, my Switch and I've had it since it came out. And I'm finally it's like, hey, you know, I've never actually played the original. And so, despite how you liking it? It's, <laughs> I'm glad I'm playing this version. And not yeah, <laughs> though sometimes it's it's annoying because sometimes I I want to grind a few levels and I'm like it w- will not get a random encounter. I'm like mm-hmm. running around and running around. I was like, come on, fight me, fight me. Yeah, and I he- dealt with the same thing. <laughs> and so you're like, man, this is a, a really really one of the first RPGs of this type, and I'm actually looking for random encounters. It's kind of it's kind of a funny, but you know that's that's what they're trying to do. They're trying to make the game a little more accessible to. To me, where I love old 80s and 90s RPGs, PC or console, whatever it may be, though there are some that have issues like that and others to where it's just, man, it's just, I can't go back and play those anymore. So this does make it, you know, able for me to go back and play it and enjoy it. It's, you know, it, it is what it is. It's still pretty primitive. It's still pretty simple. I can appreciate when it came out how amazing it would have been and also how annoying it would have been because a lot of times the game does not do a very good job of kind of letting you know where to go. It's almost like, hmm, (laughs) let me walk around here and if I don't just die in the first hit, maybe I'm going in the right direction. You know, or, hey, you can't see here. Go find uh, a torch or something, you know, so. In the description of items, I'm like, anytime I look at them, I'm like, I don't know what I'm buying and what it's for. Right. Yeah, um, that's why I think it's great that they kind of included a mini in-game guide to decipher all of that so that you don't have to keep a walkthrough open. I like yep. the maps. I would never be able to play that game without the maps. Yeah, I, I, uh, when I played the, some of the other versions, like the GBA version of that particular game, I would like print out maps from RPG Classics and just <laughs> kind of take them with me. I... I do like that as well and like the ds did that really well with games where you could use the the dual screen as a map obviously this doesn't have that 
because it's a switch, but they do they do a good job of uh, implementing the map anyway, just due to the uh, the rate the screen ratio size on the on the game. Uh, now, um, are you playing with any of the difficulty modifiers? Uh, I'm not quite sure. I'm playing on the Sega Ages version, but I'm not playing like the easy mode. I'm just playing like whatever regular. Because there's there's different flags that you can turn or toggles that you can turn on and off to like give you more experience, more money. Oh, uh, I'm just doing whatever the standard one is. Uh, I didn't really okay change it one way or the other. So I think I'm getting more money and experience than the original game just by nature of what they did for the uh, port. Mm-hmm. But I didn't like give myself any anything additional beyond that though. At the rate it is, I can go out and kill a few guys and like okay, I got my money. So it it's, it comes in pretty easy. It's not it's not bothering me in that regard at all. So the only thing that's sometimes hard it, it doesn't give me that drive to. Oh man, I'm really getting invested with these characters. What's going to happen next? It's really it's really simple. Well, not it, it, obviously. So that's what it is. Um, yeah. But it's good to lay in bed and play it for like thirty minutes and then suspend the switch and pick it up again. Yeah, when I I'm surprised at how quickly I finished that game with all of the modifiers turned up so that I could have lots of money and experience and it's interesting being able to buy the best stuff in the game within like just a couple of hours mm-hmm. so that you can steamroll everything. And yeah, and the game itself really isn't that long to begin with. It's mostly just padded by grinding and random encounters, mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. Uh, what is it, eight, ten hours with all that? Yeah. Yeah. Well, and the total lack of direction. Like, yeah. If you didn't know where to get the seed to feed the cat, yeah, you'd be wandering around for ages. And those are the kind of games where a lot of kids probably played them. I didn't play it because I didn't have a master system, but would just get it and play it and get stuck and like never progress in it until years later, or until you had a friend that you went to school with that happened to also play it and told you, "Oh yeah, good do this or that." So, I remember those days. Yep, me too. That's- the Dark Ages before Game Facts. <laughs> yep. The Dark Ages before RP Gamer. <laughs> hey, it's on sale right now too. I was looking it up as you were talking. Yep. Hey, it's, it's it's a good game. It's you gotta take it into you know, consideration what it is, how old it is, and but knowing that you know, I th- I think a young person playing RPGs for the first time with other stuff out there, it'd probably be pretty rough for them. But us who grew up with them and seen them evolve have, a, I think, a perspective that makes it uh, a little more. I guess we're a little. It's a little more enjoyable for us. I, I'd have to say. Would you my guys favorite, agree? Yeah, my favorite thing about that game is back then when everybody was going more sword and sorcery for their RPGs. That one was a sci-fi themed mm-hmm. RPG. And compared to like the visuals and all the stuff that the other RPGs did, this was so this was really ahead. I think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The the battle screens looked really nice. So that's it for those two. Uh, another one I'm I gotta get suckered into playing is I've picked up Guild Wars two again after not having played it for like a decade. Um, <laughs> Do you have friends that are playing it, or? Yeah, I have some friends that are playing it and talked me into it. And then I happen to have a friend who works for uh, was it NC Soft, yeah, that's right. Uh, and he's like, "Oh yeah, I can get you some uh, expansion keys code." So I didn't have an excuse not to try it then. So I got they have two expansions that came out in the last 
three or four years and my friends like oh yeah the, the the game's so much better now and all the expansions and it's free to play basically or no no uh, monthly fee so i've started it and when you get an expansion you get level to the max level uh you get two of them or one preach expansion so i could just create a created a necromancer and i bumped it to the latest expansion and you can get like a mount right away and you can level your mount and have this raptor mount that can jump around. I know there's like five or six other mounts you can get that have special uh, abilities you can use to help get you places in the, in the game. And I've created the Necromancer, and then there's specialties now. So I'm doing the Reaper class. And you can, you know, I don't know if you guys know much about Guild Wars 2 or not, but what weapon you have helps dictate part of your skills. So uh, it's like part of it's your class, part of it's your specialization, part of it's your weapon. And you have a limited uh, amount of actions on your hotbar. I think it's eight. Uh, no, it's nine, I believe, that you can uh, – skills you can use. So you can't – it's not like you know WoW or some of the others where as you progress, you just unlock more skills. And now you have a hotbar of like 30 skills you can use or something. It's, it's, very, it's very set. And so if you want to – have a different set of skills or you want to go from a melee to a range it just it's going to depend on what weapon you have and you can there is uh weapon swapping on the fly so you can kind of go you know oh this boss is very hard against uh melee so i'm going to swap out to my my ranged weapon that unlocks my like you know range spells or a bow and arrow or something and then you can do it as a ranged fight if you're a dps or obviously a tank you don't really have that luxury but um so it's it's pretty cool. Uh, it looks great for an older game still. Uh, it's aged well. It's got a lot of stuff to do for those who don't just want to do in-game con- uh, content. There's all those jumping quests you can do to unlock stuff. It's it's really huge, really big emphasis emphasis on exploring things and, and checking things out, which uh, a lot of RPGs don't. You know, it the world's just there to explore, but it doesn't necessarily reward you for doing so. This game really tries to reward you for doing so. So, uh, I, I've done some what, fractals, uh, which is basically their five-man dungeons uh, recently, and I, I, I just I have a few friends that have been playing a bit more, a bit more geared, know what they're doing, and I just created the character, boosted it up to eighty, got some, he came with some decent gear, did a few little things, and now you know I'm able to jump right in and, and run on those five-mans with them. So. It's very, very accessible for uh, as an R- MMO just to jump into. You don't feel like you need to spend a long time getting your character up to par just to be able to do some fun in-game content. So uh, that that make that made it an easier choice for me just to be able to jump in and not feel like I have to invest a, a ton of time like I used to because I just can't really do that with MMOs like I did could like a decade ago. But that's about it for me. All right. Peter, you awake? I am awake. What have you been playing? Listening to all the uh, the Fantasy Star stuff, and I was thinking to myself, like, man, I still got to go through that, too. No, no, because you have to focus on Final Fantasy fourteen. I know, I know. But I, I jumped on the podcast today just to tell everybody that I do, in fact, beat games, and I beat A Realm Reborn. Yay! Yay! Now you have to go through all of the like (laughs) crappy content between ARR and Heaven's Word. Everybody keeps telling me that, and I'm like, I know, I know, but I'll get there. (laughs) Um, So yeah, I did that uh, earlier this week. Um, Actually, I think it was Sunday when I got home from visiting home. Um, 
And uh, yeah, it was uh, it was good. Um, it's weird. Whenever I play games this late, it's hard to tell like where the actual game ended and then when they added in the patches for the new stuff. Like what part of that end story was not actually included in the original game. Um, but I enjoyed it. Uh, I think I ended up somewhere at, like level 53 as a gladiator paladin. Um, so yeah, I'm going to start chugging away at the 2.1 to 2.4 content which i hear is somewhere in the neighborhood of uh, 100 missions um so i've got a lot of work to do before i even touch the heavens ward content but i will get there uh, because i really want to play a dark knight and i'm super excited but i thought um i don't know if if chris had seen but i thought he'd be oh yeah that's right he was ragging on me because i still have so much to do um so yeah, still uh, still enjoying it though. It's a lot of fun. I do like that there was a few classes that opened up whenever all the expansions unlocked for me, and they start off on a really high level, so you don't have to like grind them to bits. Um, I think I unlocked the Red Mage and the Samurai both at level fifty, which was cool. Um, but yeah, I mean, not too much to speak on yet. I haven't seen what this grind is between the two. Um, the expansion is in the original game, so hopefully it's not too horrible. Um, and you decided J to go back to Mario and Rabbits? Yeah, that was um, that was going to be my JRPG JRPG July um, pick because it's one I have open and haven't actually started, and I don't know why I have this game. I I really don't. I love tactical games, and I just don't like this one for some reason. Um, it doesn't feel fun to me, um, and I really should, whatever that lady's name is, it. What's her name? The one where it's like, does this game spark joy? Oh, oh Mary Kondo. Kondo. Yeah, I should Mary Kondo it and just get, get it out of my house. But I was like, I got to give it an honest chance. Um, I think I'm on World 2, which is like the sandy desert area. And, uh, yeah, it's just not I, – I never really liked Rayman to begin with. Um, I don't like the Rabbids. I don't like any part of that world or realm. Oh, yeah. Um, and, I mean, it's it's way more Rabbids than it is Mario in terms of Yeah. Rating. So yeah. if you don't like Rabbids, this is not the game for you. No. And it, it still is not. So I might give it a little bit more. Um, but if I don't find anything that really pulls me into it, then I'm probably just going to drop it. But um, yeah, so about World 2, um, the guns are pretty fun, though. I do like the weapons that you get to pick from it. They're like these little arm cannons that everybody gets to wear. And they all have like weird, you know, attributes and stuff like that that kind of um, do different things. So if you have one that has like the honey attribute, you could hit somebody, they get blasted with honey, and then they can't move that turn or something. Um, so they it's unique in that style. It doesn't feel like it's like, Oh, this is just a final fantasy tactics remake or something. Um, they did a good job with making it unique enough. Um, but it just doesn't really grab me. Um, and then I forgot that Marvel ultimate Alliance three came out yesterday. Um, so I actually popped that in last night and a little bit this morning. Uh, and I love it. It's exactly what I was, what I was looking for. Um, the first two were actually really good games. It, if you don't know anything about the Marvel Universe, it's probably hard to know where all these characters play into their story. Uh, so you don't know like whose villain is who and that kind of thing. 
Uh, and I'm that person. I'm like, I don't know who this person is and I don't know why they mean anything to this person, but I'm having fun mashing buttons and using skills and, you know, playing around in the different area. Um, there were a lot of things I read about the camera being an issue and it is very much an issue. Um, it gets stuck on things. It gets in weird spots where you can't see your character. Sometimes, um, they do give you kind of like an outline so you know where you are. Um, but it, the camera is definitely a very finicky POS, um, and doesn't seem to want to cooperate all the time. But the game is fun. There's like, I don't know, some somewhere in the neighborhood of like 36 characters to pick from. So there's probably a play style for you. Um, anywhere from like melee to, you know, magic users, uh, if you will. I, I don't know what they call them in the Marvel Universe. Weird. Doctor Strange's. Yeah, yeah, that'll work. <laughs> um, but... Yeah, I mean, I, I'm only a couple hours into that so far, but it's uh, it's exactly it's like all the the first two, but better. They just keep uh, improving on the formula, and I I say if it's not broken, don't fix it. So, but that's been that's really the extent of my games. All right, and uh, Kelly's got one, and then we'll finish up with Nathan. Yes, um, so I'm still continuing trucking on in Trials of Mana. Um, I just got transportation in the game, which is a giant turtle with a snorkel and a goggles. I, for, I forget its name. Its name changed in the translation. And I also managed to, to do the first class change, which when you turn level, I think it's 18 in that game, you can talk to a, a monostone and switch between two different classes for each character and the classes are light or dark based. And I think I ended up going dark based, the dark based class change for all three of my characters. So I'm running a ninja for Hawkeye. Um, I think it's like a dark cleric for the cleric character, um, Charlotte, and then a. I'm I'm blanking on the name of it, but I oh an an enchantress for the mage. So they get um it it affects what magic you get in the game. And when Hawkeye becomes a ninja, he gets access to a bunch of ninja magic, including shurikens and kind of ninja y stuff. And I, I'm not gonna lie, I hit I felt like I had hit kind of a difficulty spike before I did the class change because things were just like kicking my ass and I think I was supposed to do the class change a lot sooner. And after I changed my classes, all of a sudden it's like, okay, now I am kicking all sorts of ass and just doing insane insane amount of damage and stuff to all of the mobs. Nice. And um, you, the game kind of really opens up at that point because you have to go um, talk to four other mana stones in order to progress the story. And you, um, the game kind of puts you in a direction, but really you can do them in any order you want. And right now I'm in a forest trying to uh, find the moon, the moonstone so that I can get Luna's magic. Nice. Yeah, and I mean, if if you haven't played Trials of Mana, no, I, I'm probably just speaking Greek right now. <laughs> it's a little confusing for me, but I do plan yeah. on playing the game, so hopefully it'll make more sense later down the line. Yeah, 
yeah, it'll it'll make much more sense um, when you play the game. And so there's supposedly another set of classes that you can change into at level 36, but you have to find special items to change one final time. Gotcha. But I, I'm still having a lot of fun with the game. I'm really trying to kind of finish it up this weekend or soonish because of Fire Emblem coming out. I can't wait. Mm. Am I going to be able to finish Dragon Quest Builders 2 in time? And I also got the Princess Guide for my birthday this week. And I don't know if I should. Uh, too many games. Too many games. Too many games. All right, Nathan, I know why you're playing Nino Kuni 2 because you talked about it last week. But I really need to know why you're playing The Witcher 3. Oh, man. Well, I'm going to confuse you a little bit more because this is actually my fourth playthrough of The Witcher 3. Okay, why? Um, <laughs> well. <clears throat> I'm a bit of a trophy whore, and this is going to be my third platinum of the game. And I kind of want to get another playthrough of the game before Cyberpunk. Um, before the before the Netflix series comes out? No, screw that. Ooh. I have no interest in I have no interest in watching something when I can play it instead. A superior version at that. Um, I well, I just I think The Witcher Three is probably one of the best games this generation, and. I'm sitting here playing through it again, and this old lady asked me to go get her a pan in the beginning part of the game in White Orchard. And just the the voice acting and the world building in this game and how interesting every stupid little fetch quest is just made me really, really excited for Cyberpunk, just out of nowhere. Um, watching all the videos about it, Keanu Reeves, none of that, I was like, yeah, okay. I'll probably, I'll, I'll get it and maybe write a guide for it, but playing The Witcher 3 again has made me go, if they do the quests and world building in Cyberpunk as well as they did in The Witcher 3, this is going to be something amazing. So, um, playing The Witcher 3 one more time for another trophy because I have problems, but it gives me an excuse to play the games I really like over and over again. And for a podcast full of people who talked about playing retro games recently, let's... Let's not cast aspersions at what people are playing, however redundant. <laughs> um, yeah, and thanks for bringing up Dragon Quest Builders 2. I was going to totally buy that and decided I was going to be good with my money since I wouldn't have time to play it. And everyone on all sides has been just constantly reminding it's me how good so this game is. Good. You need to buy it now. If he uh, got it on PS4, he could get a trophy. Oh, no, that's totally on the that's totally in the plans. That is going to happen. Um, okay. just, we've got Fire Emblem in like six days, so I don't have to suffer that long. So I'm just going to yeah, play through I'm, the games I've got and Fire Emblem all the way. I, I'm with Nathan on this, even though I, I, you guys are like tempting me hard. It sounds so good, but no, I need to stay pure and just focus on Fire Emblem because that's going to be when I play in August. And I played the demo and it was... It was great, and I love Dragon Quest, but now I'm going to be good with my money for for once, for just a rare occurrence here. And I'll get <laughs> it later when it's 20 bucks, and it'll be fine. It'll be great. I'll get a platinum. It'll be everyone will be happy, and it'll be a joyous occasion for all. But till then, Fire Emblem. So I'm very excited about that, too. I'm mm. hopefully going to be well, almost really certainly going to be writing a guide for it. So Yay. All right. Uh, yeah. And Nino Cooney is mostly just JRPG July, so Yay! I won't go into it. 
JRPG July is going really well. We had like 8 million write-ups from staff last week. We'll talk about that down in the briefs. All right. I think we're on to feedback. Whew. All right. So last week we asked which direct sequel did the worst to the characters from the previous game? And we had some strong feelings. Um, uh, Strawberry Eggs writes in and says, I'm not sure about overall sales, but Earthbound Beginnings was at number one on the Wii U Virtual Console charts shortly after its release. Those charts weren't really indicative of sales. Anyways, uh, my answer for the question of the week is going to sound strange coming from me because of how much I love the game and have defended from detractors in the past. However, I haven't played very many games that have direct sequels now that I really think about it. Mostly... Um, I'm feeling neutrally towards the depictions of returning characters or preferred them in a direct sequel. I much prefer how Tiz is treated and characterized in Bravely Second compared to Default, for instance. But the game I like least, uh, what they did to the characters, is Tales of Symphonia Dawn of the New World. It's oh, more yeah. so because of how little they apparently changed in the two years between the games. They get no development in Dawn of the New World, can't level up, their levels increase at certain points of the story, and it relies too much on old gags from the first games. I gave the game a lot of slack for this and really don't mind Dawn of the New World because it's Emily and Maria's story and not the old cast of character story. I absolutely adore those two as well. I do realize that I would would have been just as happy if they took Emil, uh, Marta, and the other new characters and placed it in a new setting, especially if the main duo's romantic subplot was just as good. It didn't need to be a sequel. You know, we just did a backtrack on Tales of Zillia. We just recorded. I don't think it's out yet. And Tales games have a real problem with this because Zillia 2 did that with the Zillia 1 characters too. Oh, really? Oh. And it it makes me wonder how many of these Tales sequels start out as their own games and they run out of time. So they're just like, uh, screw it. Let's just stick this in the Tales or Symphonia. <laughs> Hmm, I wonder. We're going to have to have a longer longer conversation about that at some point. It's it's my tinfoil hat theory, but there's some there's some kind of oomph behind that, um, but that's a really long conversation with a lot of like spider webbing examples and I probably, it's probably not the podcast to get into that. Yeah, it just she, she her talking about that made me realize that oh I just talked about that so yeah. <laughs> All right, so um, Alex couldn't be on this week, so he wrote in and Severin Mira says I wasn't too crushed by the Utawaru news. Um, you always have to be prepared for that from a JRPG series if platforms aren't specified from the outset. Plus the robotics semicolon notes news more than made up for it and there's still a prelude to the fallen to look forward to also to clarify mages inc slash 5pb um steins gate al has nothing to do with idea factory slash compile hard yeah um so my bad on that one um a couple people wrote to me and were like hey those aren't the same companies they do work together on stuff but yeah they're like separate people's um, Shaman writes in and says, since it was asked, Earthbound Beginnings never did come to the 3DS. Thank you. Um, question of the week. Strawberry Eggs took the most obvious answer, but I was a little perturbed about the handling of Lucimine in the Pokemon Ultra games compared to her Sun and Moon self. In Sun and Moon, she was generally creepy and one of the few unredeemed villains of the series, while in Ultra, not so much. 
Yeah, that's true. She was kind of a a a bad chick in Sun and Moon, and then um, Ultra Sun and Ultra Moon, she becomes a little wishy washy. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's the right term for it. Um, Featherhoof writes in and says, "Question of the week: My answer would be Metroid Other M." Well, I enjoyed the gameplay. At some point, I started to check out when the cutscenes would start playing as I hated the portrayal of Samus. Locking away her own suit upgrades to justify, satisfy Adam's ego was one thing, but when she got sudden, unta- unset, sudden onset PTSD and broke down, cried like a baby as a newly reborn Ridley was about to attack her instead of just laying the sixth or seventh smackdown on him was my breaking point. And if I had to hear the baby one more time or watch another cutscene of young Samus and Adam staring intensely at each other, <laughs> I was going to puke. I just wanted, I don't, know, I don't want to get into a huge discussion, but I want to say I agree wholeheartedly. They started that Adam crap back with uh, Metroid Fusion, and I also despised it. Yeah, 99% of my experience with Metroid games is speedruns where the story doesn't matter. <laughs> So I yeah. feel like I come at the Metroid series from like a completely different perspective as someone who actually plays them. Yeah, they just all they did was they, you know, she was this badass bounty hunter and slowly they started adding more story about Adam and it was like the more they added about him, the more vulnerable she became and it just didn't fit with, you know, badass woman bounty yeah, hunter it's like it's not inherently a bad thing to have vulnerability in a character because it can give them a new dimension but yep. if you use vulnerability as a crutch for like real emotion or use it counter to the established personality it can be really really awkward yes and that's all i'll say <laughs> all right uh, Victor writes in and says, I bought my Wii U to play two exclusive games, Paper Mario Color Splash and Earthbound Beginnings. I can't recommend either game as a system seller to anyone else. I want to know, Victor, why you haven't played um, Fire uh, sh- uh, uh, Tokyo Mirage Sessions Sharp FE if you have a Wii U and are looking for exclusives. Because that game was great. Let us know. That game is awesome. That game is so good. All right, uh, question of the week from Victor. Do book sequels to video games count? The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy sci-fi book was adapted to a video game. The, book's mostly, the book Mostly Harmless is a finale that treats the original Hitchhiker's Guide story and characters in the absolute worst way possible. Yes, even worse than Chrono Cross treats the story and characters of Chrono Trigger. When author Douglas Adams was asked in an interview why Mostly Harmless harmless trashes the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy so thoroughly, his response was, "Eh, I just had a really terrible year. (laughs) Uh, Victor also finished the Dragon Quest XI postgame and Platinum Trophy for JRPG July. Yay! Yay! I love JRPG July updates. All right, for the second half of JRPG July, I'm playing The Legend of Dragoon, and so far it's good enough that I think it's sat in my backlog a little too long. Oh, oh, Victor. Oh. Mine too, Victor. Oh, it I'm sorry. It should have stayed there. It should have stayed there. Matt gets to be on the show whenever he wants because he agrees yeah, with that... me about Legend of Dragoon. Oh, that, that, that was luckily something I sped through one summer. What, all four discs of it? I had to review that game. Oh, like yeah, they've been hours. trying to do a backtrack on it for quite a while. And no one wants to talk. No about one it. wants to talk about it. 
<laughs> Everybody who played it is like, nope, 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 nope. All right. So I actually know what our question of the week is going to be. Um, Do tell. It's going to be your report card for JRPG July. What did you play? Uh, what did you finish? And any overall thoughts? Hides in corner. <laughs> yeah, you don't play JRPGs. You're exempt. I do. I'm playing Fantasy Star. Oh, that's true. I'm sorry. You're a WRPG guy. We love you for that. It's okay that you don't <laughs> play a lot of JRPGs. But I have like a million of them. Yeah, that's Remember true. Like Sweet Coden. We're gonna say he, he likes he likes JRPGs like uh, Shining Force and yeah yeah he, he's our Genesis RPG guru yeah I'll be playing Fire Emblem as well oh yeah is anybody not playing Fire Emblem <laughs> I will not be playing Fire Emblem <gasps> I don't think I'm going to be playing it right away uh oh all right I'm gonna get in trouble so let's go into the <laughs> I think news that, that, that killed everything <laughs> oh. There was just like dead silence there. I'm like, oh, I'm getting judging looks through all the microphones now. Okay, someone beep <laughs> me into the news, please. Beep, 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 Yay! Beep, beep. All right. Uh, Everreach Project Eden is a new sci-fi action RPG that was announced. Um, you are put in the role of Nora Harwood, um, who is part of a larger security division on a mission to secure the colonization of the planet Eden. Problem is, is crazy stuff has been happening. Um, so you got to jump into it, um, go into the alien world, learn about the ancient civilization that used to live there. Um, it's a third person uh, combat shooter, which ha which also has vehicular combat and uh, both level and skill based progression systems. Um, so this is coming for PC and Xbox One in September 2019 and PS4 by the end of the year. I like space games. Space games are cool. I might be biased, though. Um, Caravan Stories um, was supposed to come out on July 23rd on the PlayStation 4. And uh, this is a free-to-play MMO with both PvE and PvP elements. Um, so it's out in Southeast Asia. Um, but you have to be on the Asian servers. And I don't know. You might need to VoIP in for that. Um, but yeah, it was supposed to come out um, in North America and Europe um, this week, and it's been delayed to, we don't know. And the beta, which was also supposed to open this week, also been delayed indefinitely. So we'll have to keep following up on that. Um, Something Classic has announced two new titles. Um, so we talked about Something Classic's first game, Shadows of Adam, in the last few weeks um, because Pascal had been playing it and he put out a review recently. Um, so the two new games that they're coming out with is Pillars of Dust, which is a cross between a world-building um, sort of arcade game and a traditional JRPG game. So uh, we don't know a ton about it right now other than it's going to have two protagonists that have intersecting storylines that can be played in any order um the the economy is also based off of chicken nuggets <laughs> so yeah this is this is fascinating um and they're shooting for a q1 2020 release so next six months um the second title and the one that i'm most interested in is a game called quartet 
And sort of the tagline is uh, eight heroes, uh, four, four stories, uh, one destiny. And so the idea is, is um, you have four stories um, that each have two of the characters in them. Um, and the four stories are playable in any order. Um, combat has the ability to swap characters in and out of puzzle, uh, battle. And they are puzzle-based dungeons, kind of Zelda-ish. Um, or maybe more like the Final Fantasy VI last dungeon, because you're going to break up into multiple parties and do different stuff with them. Um, we don't have any uh, release date information for this. Um, I think PC and Switch are the two con uh, are the two platforms that have been announced for it. Um, Knocked! True Tales of Robin Hood! Um, is a text-based RPG that has been converted to a video game, and it is now available for PC and Mac via Steam. So this game originally came out on iOS in 2017. Um, you either play as a male or a female version of Robin um, with um, five backstories, ten romanceable characters, four difficulty levels, three customizable bases, um, multiple endings, and it just uh, you need to make choices and manage your resources. So the PC and Mac version have um, updated mechanics, new art, new music, new text. So I'm kind of I'm kind of thinking about trying this one out. Sounds interesting. All right, where the water tastes like wine um, is a narrative-focused adventure RPG-ish title. Um, we played it at PAX a couple of years ago. It was really interesting. Um, they have include they have put out a new free update. It's called the Gold Mount the Gold Mountain, and that um, those are stories that focus around uh, the Chinese American experience. Um, there's also new bug fixes, new quality of life experiences or quality of life improvements. Um, there's also Chinese language support, which seems pretty appropriate. Um, so the idea behind this game is you are um, a person in during the 1930s Great Depression and you're wandering around gathering stories. And I don't kind of don't want to say anything more than that because it's kind of a spoiler. But yeah, check it out. Where the water tastes like wine. All right. Um, who is excited for Trails of Cold Steel? Me. I am. Yeah, I have bad news. I have good news and bad news. No. Um, <laughs> so good news. The game was pushed back. Yay! Yeah, I'm, Yay. I'm actually kind of okay with that because it was coming out in a crazy week. Yeah, we had everything: Zelda, Dragon Quest again, Dragon Ball yeah. Three. There's something else too big. Yeah, so um, I made a list. The week. I kind of think no games from now on should announce they're coming out between September and April because, <laughs> like, if you. <sighs> You're not. Are you even a gamer if you don't have those like six, seven months booked? Yeah. Well, it, it was coming out the week I was going to be out of the country, so I'm, I'm kind of glad that it got delayed. Yeah, I still need to play the first two, so I'm not. I'm not too uh, hurt by any delays. Yeah, Kelly's working on. Are you? Are you done the first one at this point? Yeah, I finished the first one. I'm about like a third of the way through the second one. 
Right. So this game was originally planned to come out during the week of hell on September 24th, 2019. And Ooh. I made a list of all of the RPGs, not not all the video games, just the RPGs coming out between the 20th and the 27th. It's technically eight days, but it's because it was like Thursday to Thursday. And when I made the list, um, like just after E3, it was something like 12 games and then more got added to that week. Um, so I think they kind of made a good decision to push this back just so that it has a little less competition. And yeah, I don't know I if sure. that's why they delayed it. They haven't they haven't given like real explicit reasons. So we will see. Maybe I will get number two done before then. Yes. I'm behind you, Kelly. I think I've done the prologue. That's about it for two. Yeah. So new release date for North America and Europe is October 22nd. Uh, Trails of Cold Steel 3 is the third game in the Cold Steel series. We've talked about Cold Steel a ton, so I don't feel like I need to go into this. But we did get a couple of E3 impressions. So if you're not familiar with Cold Steel 3, go ahead and check it out. Um, Harvest Moon Light of Hope Special Edition Complete um, is arriving at select retailers in North America on July 30th, 2019. So this is like a game of the year edition for twenty nine ninety nine. Has Light of Hope, all special edition content, and all DLC on one cart. I honestly just want it for the box art. Isn't the box art cute? I love it. <laughs> it's, Same so here. it's like everybody giving energy to Gohan. I know. <laughs> I was like, damn. I mean, I already have it all, but I want it again. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> all right. So Artifact Adventure Gaiden DX. What a title. Um, is is a retro RPG launching on PC on July 31st. Uh, this is an, a Japanese indie developed game. And it's cool because you can either play it in color or in like Nintendo era sepia. Ooh. Mm. It's kind of cool. Um, so yeah, this is 8-bit visuals, an open world free scenario as players prepare for a disaster that is said to befall the world in three years. Uh, two player local co-op. Um, and yeah, you can switch between monochrome and color. It's cool. It's cool. So yeah, apparently this is the third game. I don't think, I don't know if the other two were ever translated, but it was Artifact Ad Adventure and Artifact Adventure Gaiden. Yeah. It looks like these may have come out on Playism. So maybe they were translated, but it's hard to say. But yeah. I mean, this looks really cool. I, I mean, I hate to be one of those people, but I totally play this if it was on the Switch. <laughs> Switch, 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 <laughs> switch. Um, Bandai Namco has announced a Japanese and Southeast Asian release date for the newest title in the SD Gundam G Generation strategy oh. RPG series. All right. <laughs> that was a mouthful. <sighs> SD Gundam G Generation Cross Rays comes out on PS4, Switch, and PC on November 28th. So um, the, this will never come out in North America because of copyright reasons. But the Southeast Asian version is region-free and includes English subtitles. And the last couple of Gundam games have actually had really well-translated subtitles. You know, I never realized it too, but these games have like a really rabid fan base. Oh, yeah. Like a niche group that plays these and... They're like all about these. And I have a few of them. I need to play them. They look pretty good. So Chris bought one that's like a Muso game. And every time he's played it, he fell asleep. <laughs> so I'm going to say this game? series is probably not for him. 
Chris also falls asleep playing Sue Coden. Yeah, he's I've... dropped his feet on his face a couple times. <laughs> <laughs> Me too, man. Me too. <laughs> All right. Hey, this is something I'm excited for. 13 Sentinels Aegis Rim now has a Japanese release date. They did like a big um, a live stream of this. It's like a four-plus-hour-long four live stream. If you skip to two hours and 57 minutes in our, um, in our news story, you can get straight into the gameplay. Um, it is coming to Japan on November 28th, exclusively for PlayStation 4. This game was initially announced like a decade ago, so it was announced for the Vita, but the Vita version has since been cut. Um, so the 13 Sentinels Aegis Rim takes place after a catastrophe hits the planet following the arrival of large meteorite like objects. And the 13 Sentinels are the 13 protagonists, which is a group of teenage boys and girls who pilot large robots called Sentinels. Wait a minute. This is Neon Genesis Evangelion. <laughs> um, the game is split into adventure, archive and battle sections. So adventure sections are sort of like um, almost like Phoenix Wright-ish. It's like you're look, running around looking for clues. Um, and then the archive sections um, let you um, pull up the story that's already happened and you can like manipulate the story. And then combat is, you know, combat. So, yeah, well, the live stream looked really interesting. We watched a little of it before the podcast started. So, okay. all right, we have a Kickstarter check-in, Kingdoms of the Dump. So this is an RPG created by janitors turned developers. <laughs> um, the inspiration game, there. Right? Uh, yeah, so taking inspiration from Super Nintendo RPGs, Kingdoms of the Dump takes place in the lands of Phil. And stars yeah. Dustin Binsley, a sentient trash can that wields a sword and tosses his lid like a shield of a certain Marvel superhero. The king of Garbagia has has been trash picked. And Dustin is the main suspect. With an eccentric supporting cast, Dustin might, must find secrets hidden within the waste and clear his name. Kingdoms of the Dumb features six playable characters, each with their unique abilities and fighting styles. Players will be able to swap out characters on the fly to solve puzzles and overcome obstacles. No random encounters. Monsters are visible on screen. Battle takes place on a tile board with turn-based combat and timed hits added for critical damage. So this is being developed for PC, Max, and Linux. The game's Kickstarter campaign has a goal of 60000 which I'm pretty sure they blew through like the first day. Oh no, my bad. I'm thinking of a different one. It's at forty thousand with twenty five days to go, so I'm pretty sure this is going to make it. Um, but if you are interested in backing it, um, <laughs> for five dollars, which is the lowest uh, tier, you can get your name in the game. Um, for fifteen dollars, you get a digital co copy for Windows, Mac, and Linux. And then, if you want to spend all of the money on the game. Uh, you can spend fifteen hundred dollars. Jeez. Oh no, oh. I'm sorry. This has been taken. So all of the all of the big rewards have all been taken. But if you had been fast enough, you could have spent fifteen hundred dollars <laughs> and gotten all digital rewards: a T-shirt, a SNES box collector's edition, a piece of trash from the game development process, 
data <laughs> testing access. Oh boy! And you got to work with uh, the team to design an optional endgame quest. So digital rewards includes your names in the credits, digital copy of the game, digital copy of the OST, PDF back of concept art, PDF of the player's guide, and then the physical rewards, t-shirts, nest box, game development trash, beta test access, optional side quests. Yeah, like all of their really big stuff is, is all sold out. So um, yeah, everything $100 they, and above. There's um, still a $5,000 Oh, I'm sorry. You're right. I totally missed this. Golden Janitor. Mm-hmm. All digital rewards... Uh, collector's box, receive an invitation to one of New Jersey's finest roadsides where we will pick up litter and talk video games. Travel <laughs> at your own expense. These rewards are fantastic. A custom t-shirt will be made for this trip and food will be provided. If you don't like, if you don't feel like coming, we'll do the litter pickup regardless. <laughs> Good on cute. them. <laughs> so that's cool. Um, other big rewards still left. Um, three left of Toxic Technician. Your name in the credits. Digital copy of the game. Digital OST. PDF pack of concept art. PDF of the player's guide. T-shirts. Nest box. Game development trash. Beta test access. And design an enemy. And all you got to do is slap down 500 screws for that one. Seems more manageable. Yeah. Hey, Chris, we should totally back this for $500. No. <laughs> all right. <laughs> Uh, getting into some of our features, uh, JRPG July, uh, week two roundup, um, got put out over the, after the last podcast before this one, because that's, you know, usually how it works. If you're not familiar with hashtag JRPG July, um, it is hosted by a website called Chick Pixel, who does a monthly themed game along, um, all year long. Uh, we jumped into JRPG July, I think, four years ago at this point. Uh, we love it. If you follow our Twitter, we tweet JRPG July stuff basically every day, all day. Um, you know, check us out. Um, if you're playing a game for JRPG July, don't forget to hashtag JRPG July on Twitter. We love seeing what people are playing. All right. So we had uh, one, two, three, four, uh, five, six, uh, seven, eight, nine, ten. 11, 12, 13, 14, 14 people do write-ups this week. Oh my gosh, so many people. Wow. So I'm not going to read those all. I'm, I'm going to rely, rely on you guys to go do that. We have a review for Devious Dungeon 2. Um, you know, this is part of that sort of trend of indies jumping into the rogue light. Um sort of sphere so reg leg road legacy deck cells devious dungeon 2 um the problem is is uh, um it has far too much repetition and uh yeah and, and unfortunately uh our reviewer says at the end of the day the game never quite reaches beyond a mediocre time waster womp womp all right, so if you're interested in learning why he says that, check out the review. And then we also got a review for Citizens of Space. Um, so this is the follow-up to Citizens of Earth, which was an indie game that originally they attempted to kickstart it. Kickstarter failed. Instead, they got picked up by Atlas as a publisher. And so Citizens of Earth was really cool. All of a sudden, kaboom, out of nowhere... Um, Sega, who bought Atlas, announced Citizens of Space. 
So it also got two and a half out of five. The end result leaves the game without much of a narrative, characters with flat personalities, fights that can drag on for too long, and lackluster presentation throughout. Hey, Lisa's ambitious. Yeah. So, yep, there's there's another review for you guys to read. All right. We got boxers. Um, panties. Cheese strings? Briefs. Yeah, that's it. All right. Um, Tom Clancy's The Division 2 update is releasing later this month. That will make Jonathan happy. (laughs) This is a game title, so let me say it all out before you start laughing. Is it wrong to try to pick up girls in a dungeon? Infinite Combat um, is getting a release date, English subtitles, new consoles, and it even has a TV spot. So I'm going to end up playing this, aren't I? Yeah, this is this is coming to PS4, Vita, Switch, and PC. Um, the the it PS... does sound like it's like made for you. Yeah, just from the title. Yeah, yeah, and the Southeast Asian version is coming out on both PS4 and Switch, and it's going to have English subtitles. I might be importing this one. Yeah, um, Atlantis has now officially opened in Assassin's Creed Odyssey, so if you want to go under the sea, now's a great time to do so. Um, Darksiders 3, Keepers of the Void, DLC is now available. Kill Squad is now available on Steam Early Access. And this is why I was excited. Fell Seal, Arbiter's Mark, um, has a Switch release date. Yay! It's coming out in August. Ooh. Yay! Yay! August uh, August uh, 14th. Now so... that we've hyped it up a bunch, I hope you guys still like it. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I think well, I've been Pascal's talking about been that game for like too. three weeks. So. And, Four uh, weeks. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it comes out August 14th. So three weeks from Wednesday. So almost four weeks. Three and a half weeks. Um, Rebel Galaxy Outlaw has a release date. I work on this game. It's August 13th. <laughs> so, you know, take anything I say with a grain of salt. Uh, Moonlighter has a new DLC coming out. So Moonlighter's Between Dimension DLC hits PC next week and consoles in the future. Also, Pascal couldn't be on the podcast today because he's writing his Erratus preview. It's coming today. Please look forward to it. All right. And just to remind people, question of the week. Uh, Tell us your report card for JRPG July. What did you play? What did you finish? And what's your overall thoughts for the month? And here's how you can provide feedback. Our email address is podcastrpgamer.com. You can call or text us at 608-729-4098. You can come join us every week live Saturday noon Eastern, uh, 9 a.m. Pacific at twitch.tv slash rpgamer. Or you can do um, what Victor and Featherhoof and Shaman and Severmere and Strawberry Eggs did. Um, come to rpgamer.com, find the, find the latest RPG cast, slap down a reply on that thread. All right. New games coming out this week. Um, as we've mentioned repeatedly, uh, Fire Emblem Three Houses. Yay! And in fact, we had uh-huh. a poll on our Twitter to see which house people would be joining. And uh, Black Eagles took it with 41%. Blue Lions took second with 31%. And Golden Deer, which I voted for, got 27%. I'm Team Golden Deer, too. Yeah, there's there's been a bunch of polls like this. And Black Eagles has basically won, like, 
they kind of have the headline character for the game, so it makes sense. But... I guess. But I like it the guy that's hanging upside down. Yeah. People are probably tired of the primary color shit, too. Stuff, too. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I keep forgetting. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's like we had Pokemon Go. They had red, blue, yellow. Everything has red, blue, yellow. So I'm sure somebody's excited about having a different color that's not a primary color that's fair hey chris that's isn't fair. on today it's like unlocking all the cussing yeah <laughs> it's like cat, cats I away did, i did pretty good today <laughs> all right um other games that are coming out this week i i thought this one was interesting quest hunter quest hunter is an isometric action rpg where your choices drive the story find tons of treasures and secrets solve puzzles equip your characters level up your skills and finish off enemy bosses play on the couch alone or with friends and or make it an online party for up to four players i know some friends that played that on pc is it good uh i think they're like hey let's go play this and they played it for a little while then they stopped Ooh, that's never a good sign. I don't think they, I don't remember them saying it was not not good, but they were like, it wasn't like, oh man, you really have to play this or anything. So it was kind of like, yeah, it's all right. All right. It's kind of the gist I got. So I I put two more in here because I I definitely wanted to talk about these. All right, lust for darkness, hmm. a psychological horror of seeking satisfaction on the border of two intertwining worlds. An intriguing plot with erotic and occult themes guides the player's character through the Yelverton's Victorian mansion and a perverse land inspired with Lovecraftian works. Hmm. Sounds kinky. (laughs) Well, the land is perverse. It's going to be kinky. (laughs) I like that they're calling out erotic Lovecraftian themes. That's just, those words do not go together. I don't know. I've seen well, enough hentai. I, look, just because I won a university <laughs> debate with with tentacle porn doesn't mean no. Moving on, but that's a story for another day. Um, and <laughs> this is one I hadn't heard before. World Cruise Story by Kairosoft. Get ready to take the helm of history's grandest, most over-the-top luxury cruise liner for an unforgettable addictive excursion at sea. Deck your own ship with everything from lavish suites and first-class restaurants to casinos and hot tubs. They usually make pretty good sims, so... The dilemma is, is they're like 3 or $4 on iOS and Android, and they're $12 (laughs) on the Switch. Ugh. Like I get that there's a switch tax. Like there is a certain amount of money that has to go into porting the games, but I'm cheap. <laughs> it's really what it boils down to. I just I want to pay the least amount of money for these games because I know I'm going to play them for a certain amount of hours and then never touch them again. Mm. All right, I think we're at the end of the show, guys. We made it. Yay. We did it. All right. So, what is everybody going to be playing next week? I think I know the answer to this, so, Kelly? Um, Fire Emblem. All right, Matt? Uh, I've got to get going with that Super Neptunia RPG. I'm sorry. But I'll probably end up playing Dragon Quest Builders, too. <laughs> How about uh, Peter? It'll be Final Fire Emblem Fantasy fourteen. <laughs> <laughs> well put. <laughs> All right, Jonathan, how about you? What are you going to play? Because I don't think Does you're Fire playing Fire Emblem, are you? 
Yeah, yeah. I've really? Played, I've played all of them. <gasps> Actually, the only one I haven't played was the recent remake one. I have it. I just never played it. Oh, the 3DS but, one where you're inside of dungeons? Yeah, the oh, one that that's a remake. Oh, so good. What, it's not that I didn't... I, I bought it, right? But mm-hmm. it's just one of the... I, did, I never beat um, Fates. I like, got bogged down in that one. I didn't really care for it as much. Oh, Which it's nothing like do? that one. Birthright. One you, okay, yeah. Um, I hear Conquest Fates, is better. Yeah, Fates is a little long in the tooth. It was just... Ugh. I played all three! I, yeah. I, want, I meant to about the little special thing. You know, it's all in one cart and all that. Because I've beat, I've beat every other... I'm not just playing. I've actually beat every other Fire Emblem, which for me is pretty good because I have a shitty yeah, time. Yeah, you don't finish games. that many games. I like hey, Chris. hey, now, <laughs> no, yeah, you're, I know. you're still better or, than Chris. Or the games I play are like you don't really finish, like uh, MMOs. Yeah, you do a lot of you finish when stuff. you're done with them. Yeah, mm-hmm. so yeah, I have a I have a where I get to the end. I'm like, I'll get right to the end of the game and then stop. Maybe I just don't want it to end. I don't know. But uh, maybe Fire Emblem. I don't know if I'll start it right away or not. I I might. It'll look shiny uh, coming in the mail. Or I, I definitely need to finish Fail Seal, though. So that'll be on my to-do. Right. The problem is, will, will Fire Emblem suffer? Uh, will uh, Fantasy Star suffer because of Fire Emblem? Since it'll be the Switch. But maybe, I need to, maybe I'll tell myself to finish that first. All right. And last that, but not least, Nathan? Um, bit of a curveball, but I think Wargroove is coming to the PlayStation 4 on it July is. 23rd. Yep. Yeah, we so don't I might cover grab it, that so. and play that a bit. <gasps> okay. Um, I might end up playing that. Uh, Nino Kuni 2, obviously. Uh, working on Felseal still. And, of course, Fire Emblem when it comes out. Tuesday or Friday for Fire Emblem? Friday. Friday. Yeah. Got to get down on Friday. All right. Thank yeah. you, everybody, for being on the show. Thank you, Del North, for doing our music. Uh, thank you, Kelly, for doing our awesome cover art. Thank you, Forecast. And uh, thanks, Chris, for doing the editing. So bye, everybody, <laughs> and we will see you next week. Bye-bye. Bye. 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 Yeah. Yeah.